Welcome to Permaweb Pioneers. We feature individuals, companies, projects, and more building on the Permaweb, a global, decentralized, and community-owned web built on top of Arweave. The hosts of this podcast and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions of the hosts and the guests are their own. Nothing discussed on this podcast can be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This podcast is solely for entertainment and informational purposes. In this episode of the Permanent Pioneers, I am joined with Tate Barenbaum, who is the founder of Rconnect, the Rconnect wallet used by many in the ecosystem, and Verto, Verto Exchange and Verto Flex, and most recently, Community Labs. Tate, I'm so glad to have you on the Permanent Pioneers. Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. Excited to be here. So for those listeners that have been in the Arweave ecosystem, they you know, know who you are as the founder and creator of Rconnect and Verto and again, Community Labs in a recent announcement. Can you explain like what you do? So for those that may not know you as an individual or maybe in conversation, how do you explain what you do? That that's a great question. Um, I guess you know I, I sort of think of myself as a a longtime R weaver and and community member. Um, I guess for some context on you know me, uh, I got into R weave in late 2019 uh, by clicking on a Brave ad that was talking about permanent storage, um, and I, I've just sort of been in the ecosystem ever since, uh, building infrastructure and and projects that sort of with the goal of, you know, helping to bootstrap use cases uh, and adoption of, of the permaweb. Um, but to answer your question, I, I would say that I, I consider myself a, a community member um, as well as a, a an ecosystem founder. Great. So you mentioned briefly there that you started building from this ad that you saw. Now, just before we get into that, one of the things that I was struck by listening to a podcast episode, I think a few years ago now, was that you're in high school. And I know you've spoke about this at length in, in other conversations and so on. It is extraordinary. And you see this, 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 this you know, ad on the Brave browser. What was it that really clicked for you as you're in high school, as you're you know, doing all the high school things and studying for tests and everything else? What was it that clicked when you saw this ad and decided to build? What was that like? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little bit of an embarrassing story. But um, back back in, in 2019, I was in uh, a biology class. Um, and the, the principal had, had decided to remove uh, students' access to uh, study guides that the, that the kids in previous years had access to. And so when I was on the Brave browser, you know, I was sort of probably like doing my homework or, you know, surfing the web. And I came across this, uh, this ad that was talking about permanent storage. And, you know, my first thought was like, well, if I can uh, throw something up there that can never get taken down, what would happen if I uploaded these, these biology study guides? Um, and so that, that was actually my, my first use case of the permaweb. 
Um, and the, yeah, my, my, my class was, was pretty excited about that. It was a, it was a fun time and a really interesting use case of like a, a, a blockchain technology. Uh, but it, you know, it really struck me because of how, uh, how versatile are we as, as a layer, you know, it can be used for building applications, but it can also be used for things as simple as, uh, storing study guides, uh, in, in a user-friendly way with something like our drive. Um, but yeah. Well, that is definitely an intriguing story. And I have to ask, what did the administration think of this and what kind of played out from there? <laughs> yeah. So, um, the admin, so the, the teacher that, that I, um, that, that was the, the teacher of my class was actually not upset about it at all. She, she kind of thought it was cool. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know if my, my principal had, had figured this out, but, uh, to your point a couple years ago, uh, I think I brought this up on a, on a podcast and <laughs> I, I know that he listened to that podcast. So I'm, I, I think that's how he found out about it. Um, but he, you know, I think we laughed about it and, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't upset. Uh, it was a, it was a good, it, it was a funny, funny time. Well, that's, that's really cool that, you know, a teacher and possibly a principal and just the administration was open to this fresh technology, which at the time, Arwe was, was pretty dang early on. And for you to actually go and implement it for your own specific needs in that moment and for the needs of the students is is pretty cool. Now, I have to ask as well, like, how did the students respond to this PermaWeb link and this PermaWeb content? Yeah, uh, the, the students were, were pretty excited about it, uh, given the fact that these study guides had been shared on like school Google drives, but they were constantly being deleted by the administration from from those drives. Um, so the, the students were pretty excited about it. They were, you know, admittedly a little bit confused about the, the links and, and what the, what those permaweb URLs were. Uh, and this was also a time before our drive. Um, and so there was no easy way to like browse what, where these study guides were. I just sort of had to, to send links manually. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that it, these days, what I would have done is, you know, I, I would make a, a public drive on our drive and then just share access to that. Um, but this was this was before that time. Um, but students were were pretty excited about it. Um, but yeah, the, again, because it was before our drive, they were a little bit confused on how to how to navigate through this data. Sure. It's really great to hear this story because I think it addresses how much progress has been made in the ecosystem thus far, as far as accessibility. And I know you're focused as an individual and now at community labs to making things easier for developers, as well as those that utilize this technology. And so it is interesting to reflect upon just a few years ago that it was really difficult to upload something to the PermaWeb and today it's pretty dang easy. And so I think that's just kind of a nice thing to, you know, think about. It's like, wow, there, there has been a lot of progress here. Um, before we move on, you actually were building with Deno, right? And you then created this nest.lan to store code or these modules. Is it Deno or, D or Dino? Or how, how, do you, how do you pronounce it? Can you share a little bit more about what that project was? 
So, so I pronounce it as Dino, but that is a very, uh, I think, hotly contested topic in within the within the community. <laughs> um, but yeah, in in May of of 2020, I was stuck in my basement because uh, because of COVID, and I, Dino had just come out, uh, which was you know I, I have a few developer friends that were telling me about it, and it was a really interesting project. But at first glance people were importing code from, from these GitHub links in their own projects. And while a lot of people thought that was really cool, and I thought it was cool too when I first started, uh, really quickly people came to realize that the, the code from, from GitHub wasn't like version controlled, meaning if someone were to edit that code uh, because they own the repository or delete the code or make it private or add something malicious to it, your program that might import that code could just break without you having changed anything. And so that's what led to, um, to, to me working with, with two online friends uh, that I met on discord uh, over, over a weekend to, to produce the, the MVP to what became uh, nest.land, which very simply was just a tool that quickly enabled developers to upload their code to Arweave and it repurposed the perma web as uh, a CDN for for devs. So in my research, you know, I went and, and checked out those repositories and those those pieces of code, these modules, and and sure enough, it's there. And that Arweave link, you know, which you described earlier, which for many can be very foreign, works instantly. How does it feel for you to be building on the PermaWeb in general, where? You can count on these links to be there. Those study guides are there. The you know these 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 code modules are are there that were uploaded through Nestland. What does it feel like for you to have these impacts on our digital civilization? Yeah, I think that it's it's really cool, honestly. Like when I think the last time we pushed code to the Nest.land project was at least over a year ago. Um, probably closer to a year and a half to two years by by this point. Um, and still to this day, people are going on to nest.land and uploading code and and pulling down code into their own projects from these 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 Arweave links uh, from the permaweb. Um, and it's just fantastic to see how this technology still works. And I think one of the coolest pieces of it as like a as an application developer is the fact that I don't I don't have like a monthly subscription to actually pay to keep that code up for people that want to use it. You know, they, they pay or we paid once on behalf of them uh, from a grant that we received from Arweave uh, to get that code on the PermaWeb. And then it's just there, you know, like it's literally zero maintenance and it, it's always guaranteed to be there because it's the PermaWeb. Um, so as a developer, I, I think it's a really exciting technology because of the, uh, the little maintenance that it can require if you if you focus on building an application well. Um, and in our front end for nest.land wasn't hosted on the permaweb, but it very easily could be hosted on the permaweb too, which would mean that, you know, you could have this application up there that enables developers to do these things. Um, and you, you, you write the project, you release it, and people can then use it for forever. And you can choose to you know, publish a new version if you want, but giving people 
the power and, and, and optionality of being able to control which version they're using, I think is really powerful because it prevents people from, you know, like, uh, like large companies, for example, from changing their terms of service and taking more user data or, you know, changing the way that the application works. Um, and then from a developer's perspective, it's, it's lower maintenance to build on this technology because you don't have to main, you don't have to pay to maintain it and to upkeep, uh, which is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really cool, unique developer experience. Yeah. And I definitely want to explore that topic in particular a bit later on in the conversation. Now, we've obviously learned a little bit more about yourself, your entry into the ecosystem, and a little bit of how you think about the permaweb. Um, I do want to mention your very recent announcement of the $30 million raise for Community Labs. And just give a shout out to you and team for that because it's such an important, I think, indicator of opportunity within the Arweave ecosystem and for the permaweb. And uh, I just wanted to give you some space to, to speak about that in, in general. I think that, um, I, I think that, yeah, we, we, we've been sort of in the, the formation stages of, uh, of this organization for, for the past few months as we've been putting things together and putting this funding round together and, you know, closing things up and, you know, being able to actually announce it, uh, which was, you know, a really exciting time. And I, I just want to say, you know, like it's it, this, none of this would have been possible without the work, uh, of, of the rest of our team. Um, I think that I'm, I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by and working with a, a insane amount of really talented individuals, uh, both within our team, uh, but also with, within the Arweave ecosystem. Um, and I think that, you know, our ability to, to fundraise for a venture like Community Labs is, is really a testament to uh, the, the excitement around the Arweave ecosystem and the amount of potential that people see to be building more infrastructure and building out this application layer and ecosystem inside of Arweave and the PermaWeb. Um, and so, yeah, for, for those of you who don't know what Community Labs is, uh, the idea is that we are putting together a, a research and development lab and, and also venture studio uh, that's going to be building developer tooling uh, first, uh, to lower the barrier to entry for other people to be able to come in and build inside of the Arweave ecosystem uh, as, as quickly as possible. Um, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there, but we're, we're sort of experimenting with various protocols and concepts right now. Uh, the first project that we're, that we're building is, is called uh, Execution Machine. And um, a, a longtime friend who I actually met in the Dino community back in the days of Nest.Land, his name's Andres. Uh, he's, he's come on to the team and is now the founder of Execution Machine and, and building this incredible technology in the Arweave ecosystem. Um, so yeah, we're, we're just really excited for what the future holds and uh, really, really thankful for the opportunity to be able to put this, this venture studio together and, and be able to service the, the needs of this awesome community. Well, it's great to hear. And as you mentioned, things are already underway and they have been for a number of months of building and building uh, protocols to enhance the developer experience. And uh, EXM, I think maybe is, is one, uh, one of the ways uh, to introduce that project in which you just described. Um, now, before we get into those details, 
the process because you know there's listeners that are founders or thinking about building within the ROV ecosystem and you know you've been building for quite some time and you've built a number of applications designed specifically for the permaweb on Arweave. What kind of mentorship have you had along the way? And can you speak to the topic of mentorship at large? Has it been helpful? Do you have a number of mentors? Can you share kind of your journey on that end as you have learned by doing and learned by possibly others? What has that been like? Totally. Yeah. So I, I was really fortunate uh, early on in, in the days of Nest.Land to, to meet Sam, who's the, the founder and, and CEO of, of Arweave. Um, and, and I was really fortunate because uh, Sam has sort of taken me under his wing over the past couple of years uh, and has continued to be a really close friend and, and mentor to, to me and, and the rest of the team as we've been building in this ecosystem. Um, I'm, I'm excited to say that because I know that other people in this ecosystem can, can say that too. I think he's, uh, he's, he's a pretty, uh, pretty influential figure in that way to, to multiple people other than just me. Um, but I, I would also say that a lot of this has been, um, I've been really fortunate to be able to, uh, to meet various people inside of the ecosystem and outside of the ecosystem that can, you know, that, that I sort of lean on uh, r- relatively frequently when I'm when I'm in a situation that I'm not 100% sure what the right answer is or, or how to deal with. Um, and I, I've sort of realized over the over these these years of building these relationships and friendships with people um, that a, a big piece of my job to, to your first question uh, is is getting advice and trying to figure out, you know, with all of these different sources of advice, what, what is the best decision given the, the circumstances at hand? Um, I, I really do believe that, that many, like most, most people uh, sort of take on this sort of sum of the people that they, that they surround themselves by. Um, and so I, I've been just really fortunate to be able to surround myself with a lot of awesome people uh, in, in the Arweave ecosystem and, and community um, which again is, I, I, I think, a testament to the this grassroots like quality that that the Arweave ecosystem is. The the way that people interact so collaboratively, and you know, it, it's just a really incredible. It, it's been incredible for me to come up as a founder in in this ecosystem. The amount of support that that I've received because of that has has been really unique. But you know, not not just from Sam, but but from the whole community itself at large. Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of input and openness to input on your behalf as you've been building and creating and creating and also creating these relationships with investors, right? Can you share a little bit about your investor journey? Like your communication, your connection, like how how have you built these relationships? Again, there's, you know, many individuals that are listening to this that are thinking, hmm, you know, maybe someday I want to fund an entity. What has that been like? And are there any tips or any pieces along the way that you've kind of held on to as, as big learnings? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to answer that question, but I, I must preface my answer with, you know, I'm, 
I'm, I'm still very new to this process myself and, and every day I'm, I'm constantly making new learnings. And so um, the, the, the answer to this question could, could very easily change <laughs> over the coming years. Uh, but but in the in the current experience that I have, I would say that my my approach to it personally has been very grassroots, in a sense that um, I I was I was fortunate to meet a few investors early on uh, by participating in projects or not projects by participating in in uh, like Open Web Foundry for example uh, on demo day pitching to this, this panel of investors and getting on intro calls with them after, after that initial pitch. Um, and, and we were really fortunate because, you, you know, those people in, in that initial panel went on to, to introduce me to other people that, that they thought highly of, that they thought would be good people to bring into our investment round. And then it's sort of, you can sort of visualize it like a tree, several, several trees at this point, it sort of just branches out. And eventually, you know, after you've pitched and pitched and pitched and are, you know, putting together these, these fundraising rounds, um, it, it's just friends introducing you to friends. And so I, I, if I had to give anyone advice, I would say that um, early on in our, our initial fundraises, bringing on really really high value add angels uh, was, was really helpful for us because it helped us establish relationships for later uh, stages of, of fund, fundraising uh, where we could fundraise from, from funds uh, because those angels had very good you know, relationships with funds so we could get very warm intros to those. Um, and then I, I suppose the other thing that I would say is, you know, it's it's easy to to get caught up in in the name or the title of of the person that you're that you might be speaking with, but I would say that the most valuable thing is um, trying to focus on spending time with people that you feel understand you and and people that you are excited to to try to get to know better. Um, the people that you feel like you can, for lack of a better word, like vibe with. Um, I, I think. It are, are the types of people that I try to involve in, in our funding rounds. And I find that some of the best relationships that I've made um, have, have come from, you know, from people that I, I feel like I could work with. Um, there was, there was a, a friend who, <laughs> who, who gave me some advice uh, a, a while back ago that uh, investors are, are like employees that, that you can never fire. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, <laughs> in many cases, that could be a very polarizing take. But uh, I think there, there is some truth to that in a sense that, you know, you're, you're doing this deal with somebody, the, the relationship that you have with them matters a lot. And so similar to if you're building a team and interviewing people, uh, you want to find people that you think would be complementary to, to your skill set and that you, you feel you could develop a strong relationship with and, and work closely with. Yeah, and I know you mentioned the word vibe. And while it may not be the best descriptor, it does do a lot. It kind of represents what one feels when interacting with one and what one feels after interacting with someone. And that feeling afterwards, I think, can be really powerful when one is assessing, is this the type of relationship that I want to be in or not? Um, and I feel like that can be obviously in personal relationships and also business relationships. And it sounds like you have used that as kind of your compass 
in making these decisions, which can be really hard. I imagine you're in some environments where there was, you know, more funds being offered and maybe the vibe wasn't quite right. Can you share a little bit about that um, where, where possible? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I, I think it's it's one of those things that is it can be difficult to to get right from from the start. Um, and, and so I, I know that, you know, I was really fortunate because whenever I was uncertain about someone that I, I thought could could be a really great addition to uh, to to the cap table as we were fundraising. I would be able to to go to some of the other investors that I do feel good about and say like, hey, could you give me a recommendation uh, on on this person? Or um, or could you like could if I asked that investor that I'm uncertain about if they could introduce me to uh, a founder or two founders that they've invested in so that I could you know sort of get some some other opinions you know that that weren't just from from my own takes individually. Um, I found that those types of things were, were really helpful. Um, but to speak to the, you know, in, in times where a fundraise is, um, I suppose, over over committed uh, or, or I'm, I'm, I'm losing the word. But when you have more in commitments than, than you have in, in room to be able to uh, to make for a given fundraise, I, I would say that. Um, I would caution against trying to fit every single person in, even if you like every single person um, uh, for, for what, for us, what, what served us best was finding people that we felt really good about and then giving them, um, you know, not necessarily the whole round, but, but sizable amounts of, of, of the fundraise so that they would be able to feel a lot of conviction and, and put their, you know, uh, put, put a, a greater percentage of, of their fund in, in our direction, uh, which, which helped our, our working relationship. Um, I think that there's a, there are concepts of like party rounds. And, and I think that those can be great for, for many, many things, but for us, given our, our needs at the time, um, you know, opening it up into like a party round, uh, even if we were to get more, more interest than we had room for, I think would have, would have been a mistake. Well, it is really appreciated, and I think I can speak on behalf of some of the community um, that you're sharing these these types of insights and details in your journey because you know a raise of thirty million dollars, I think may be at this moment in time the most possibly that an Arweave focused entity has raised. I may be wrong there, and it's a big deal, and so. As the Arweave ecosystem grows, I think these types of tips and references that you're sharing can be really, really beneficial to continue this path of quality, like quality of relationships. I feel like many individuals within the Arweave ecosystem are focused on quality of relationships, like first. And that's what you're pointing to a lot in in these responses on this topic. It's like quality of relationships is just about number one. And this vibe in the Arweave ecosystem, it seems to be built with, yeah, this long-term perspective. And with long-term perspective comes this kind of notion or inherent benefit of developing long-term relationships. Is that how you see it, considering we're talking fundamentally about the permaweb? 
Completely. I, I think that, you know, uh, building relationships with, with people that, uh, that, that see the future and, and understand your, your vision of what you're working on and, and are willing to, to help you get there uh, over a longer time span than, you know, just a few months or, you know, just a, a year or two. I think um, the, the longer the, the time horizon that, that these investors have uh, in, in their bets on you, I think is uh, very beneficial. Um, and, and yeah, I, I would agree. I think that the Arweave community has, has been really awesome uh, because it, it truly does feel that uh, most people in this community aren't, aren't at all focused on uh, the, the financial aspect of it or, you know, getting, getting rich quick there right now, it, it feels that people are in the ecosystem because they're genuinely excited to be building uh, really cool things. Um, and, and I think that those types of people are the ones that, um, you know, that, that good investors really, really favor. Um, I, I think that if I had to, if I had to guess, I, I would say that our weavers probably are are in a great ecosystem and, and position given the given that philosophy uh, to to be able to go out to the market and, and fundraise. So, what does an ideal day look like for you? You mentioned you know there's there's excitement there's you're enthused clearly to create on the permaweb and you've shared of course you know your story into the ecosystem and and some fundamental pillars almost philosophically that you i think stand behind what 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 is an ideal day for you <laughs> i'm I'm laughing because the 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 answer to that question I, I i do think changes as the needs of of the the protocols and, and and company changes um but but right now i would say that you know as as we're coming out of this fundraise with community labs an ideal day looks like uh waking up at a reasonable hour um not not too early not too late um getting on the phone with with the team and you know making sure everyone's on the same page and hopefully you know, being in under four hours of calls a day, I think is, is my, is my current goal. And also trying to uh, condense the calls into uh, a time block uh, is, has been really helpful for preserving my focus throughout the day um, so that I don't, I'm not sporadically, you know, interrupted with, with phone calls. Um, and then after that, that four hour period of, of talking with, you know, team members or investors or uh, fellow community members, um, trying to spend the rest of the day in as unstructured of a way as possible has, has been uh, my, my biggest focus. Um, because right now with community labs, we, we have a lot of responsibilities. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very focused on, on Virto with Flex and, and R Connect and a few other community initiatives. Uh, but we're also thinking heavily around like, you know, I, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with, with Andres and, you know, getting execution machine ready to, to go to market um, and then hacking away on other concepts that we're experimenting on that could become protocols that we end up building and, and building as a part of community labs. And so I think that having, uh, having structured time and unstructured time throughout the day is uh, having that separate is as separate as possible has been really helpful for me. Um, and then also <laughs> eating three meals a day <laughs> where possible um, and, and going to sleep at a, at a reasonable hour has been, 
yeah, sleep is is a game changer. So would would highly recommend. Well, is the team currently distributed? You know, you mentioned these these calls and things like that, or are you in a physical location? What's the dynamic from that type of like structural side of the the entity? Yeah, so so our team has been remote from the start. Uh, we're we're very globally distributed. Um, we have we have team members in in Europe and in North America primarily, um, and and also some in Asia now as well, which is exciting. And I think that uh, our, our our game has been trying to find one or two hours uh, at, at a certain point in the day where every single person, no matter what their time zone is, is able to like hop on the phone and have a sync. Um, and that's, you know, often it can be a pretty narrow window, but just having that, that ability is, has been helpful. Um, and then we're also really like, we're also leaning into Slack and discord very heavily as well, because much of our time is spent asynchronously, you know, executing and then syncing in these, in these small windows to, to make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, but I, I think that we're, yeah, we're, we're a very globally distributed team uh, and it's, it's got its pros and cons, of course, um, but it's, it's been really cool for us because uh, there's always like a time of the day where someone is awake and working. So progress is always happening 24-7. I, I, <laughs> I kind of like to joke. Which is really cool. You can sleep soundly at night um, as there's so much happening and in, in, in different time zones. It's like, wow, you wake up and I imagine you find some new invention, some new code base or some new thing that maybe someone uh, had, had you know, created while, while you were asleep. Um, so that, that's probably a, a fun, fun experience as well. So on, on your URL, which is t8.rweave.dev, the RNS name that you have, there is this line and it's studying, this is, you know, and I quote you, Tate, uh, studying experimental consensus mechanisms, smart contract designs, and use cases for the permaweb. Now you've just shared that you have a lot of responsibility, right? You have team members, it's a distributed team, you're, you know, on calls with investors and, and all of that. And then you have this unstructured time. What is top of mind right now on that side of things? What are you thinking about when you when you reference studying experimental consensus mechanisms and smart contract designs? Can you speak to that a bit? Totally. Yeah, I think that so my I would say that as a general theme, my my unstructured time is focused towards uh, the the mission and vision of of what we're working on at Community Labs right now. Um, and and right now we think that the the best way to uh, to, to try and bootstrap more adoption and accelerate adoption of, of, of our weave and the permal web is by uh, lowering the barrier to entry uh, for developers to come in and, and build, you know, B2B or consumer facing like B2C type applications. Um, and so much of my unstructured time these days is, is spent focusing on developer tools that make it easier for uh, people to come in and, and go from zero to one on, on what Arweave is and how they can get started using it um, in as, as little time as possible. Uh, Execution Machine is a, is a great example of that. And we're also experimenting with a, a few other things that I, I'm not quite at liberty to talk about yet. Um, but the general idea is just making it easier for, uh, for people in crypto or not already in crypto 
to be able to come in and actually start using our weave as as this foundational technology. And this this execution machine that you've referenced a few occasions already, built via community labs, um, it's it, it essentially enables like permanent backends and permanent APIs. Is that is that fundamentally what it is? The the idea is is something like if if you're a developer and you're familiar with uh, with serverless functions or uh, AWS Lambda, uh, execution machine makes uh, AWS Lambda uh, possible uh, on Arweave. Um, so the idea is like it, it's it's the concept is is verifiable compute. So people can can write these functions that that resemble smart contracts on Arweave. Um, and they can evaluate them with with execution machine, and they can interact with them in a completely web two environment with not needing any concept of wallets or tokens or uh, transactions blocks. They don't need to know any of that. Um, but the the log of interactions is is stored on Arweave, and it's uploaded on the fly as people are interacting with it. Um, and so that means that for for anyone who wants to go and uh, check that that execution machine evaluated something correctly or evaluate it in a way that you know is, is different from execution machine um, they can just check the permaweb for for that list of, of interactions um, so we're, we're still experimenting quite heavily on on use cases here of, of execution machine but the concept is really uh, it, it's like smart contracts but they're not quite smart contracts on our weave um, but interacting with them in, in a completely web two environment that's also serverless. Um, so it's, it's very easy for a developer to onboard into without needing to spend money on infrastructure or servers or, you know, anything like that. Uh, they don't even need an RWE wallet. Well, this sounds like an ideal environment and kind of focus for hackathons and, you know, the, these types of things. Is that on your mind as you're thinking about community labs and building out developer tooling that is very Web2 friendly, as you've just described? Completely. I would say that one, one piece of community labs that we're excited to be putting together right now is uh, is an arm that's focused on, on uh, the, the marketing element of it. Um, and, and helping build communities around these, these products and protocols that are coming up inside of community labs, um, and also helping other, other projects in the ecosystem where, where possible. Um, and so hackathons are, are certainly a, a great idea and something that we are considering with, with Execution Machine um, to, to help you know, grow Execution Machine's community, but also, you know, to be frank, Execution Machine is a a brand new type of technology that, that the world has never seen before. And so we're still trying to figure out, you know, what are, what are all of the things that people can think of to do with it? Uh, we, we have quite a few ideas. And so we're excited to be, you know, uh, going to be running a hackathon in the future to, to test those ideas um, and, and explore existing use cases, but also, you know, hopefully identify new use cases uh, similar to, uh, the Arweave community and how people have been constantly just exploring and identifying new use cases of, of the permaweb. So, so much of this about community labs and yourself as an individual is about inventing. And you mentioned this unstructured time. Are you encouraging those that, you know, work with you at community labs to follow a similar model of kind of structured and unstructured times? You mentioned, is it Andres? 
um, that, you know, he's, he's really behind this execution machine. Um, are you encouraging others to create spaces like what you've mentioned for the inventive side of things? How are you facilitating this as part of your company culture? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, I think that for us, um, th this concept of unstructured time, I should say, is, is very much something that um, is, is a probably a forever work in progress in a sense that I, I don't think that I'll ever be able to get to a point where I, I, you know, I don't have any other obligations and I can just, you know, float around and think about, you know, things in a, in a completely unstructured way every single day of the week, all the time. Um, however, I, I would say that uh, we, we are very focused on the, this creativity element. And um, when, when the company or the organization or the protocol or the community doesn't have needs that are, that are potentially pulling your focus away from this unstructured time, I, I think that for me, you know, having that has, has been really ha having this time has been really helpful um, because it's, it's enabled me to have conversations spontaneously with people and, and, you know, that provokes ideas and then, you know, being able to act on those ideas as, as well simultaneously uh, is, is, you know, partially because of that unstructured time. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's good as a general rule of thumb, you know, I, I hope that, every member of the team can at least spend an hour of the day uh, having some unstructured time and putting deliberate thought into, you know, what are, what are they doing? How are they thinking about the, the strategy around what are they doing? What are ways to potentially make that a more efficient process or, you know, think smarter, not harder, I suppose. And for me, unstructured time is, is one of the best ways to force myself to, to start thinking that way. Yeah, that open space can be so valuable and so refreshing and that sometimes that aha moment happens in those environments. So it, it seems like a, a great ethos for, um, you know, a newly formed or relatively newly formed entity and, and embedding that into the culture. Now, I want to switch gears a, a bit here and talk about some of the products and services that you and team have built. And one of them is, is R-Connect, which is a really popular Rweave wallet browser extension. And, you know, you can securely store your assets on there. Um, I imagine there's, there's more development happening on the R-Connect side of things with new feature sets and, and, and so on. I want to focus on Virto and, and Virto Flex in particular. Um, and, you know, you, you, you posted a, a thread on Twitter and one of the kind of quotes from that thread is the following. Flex represents the first step towards a fully composable web. Now, this is a really big line. Can you share about VertoFlex, how you see it, how you explain it, and a little bit why it's why you see it as a, as a big step or a first step to this fully composable web? Totally. So I, I think that at a high level, VertoFlex is a, uh, a programmable order book uh, framework, which uh, essentially means that uh, if you are building, um, building an asset or a, a token or, or something uh, with, with SmartWeave in, in the ecosystem, and you need a way to make your token tradable, 
uh, or exchangeable. VertoFlex is a way to embed a, a, a programmable order book into uh, your, your smart contract. And so the idea is, you know, instead of having a, a central place that a bunch of people go to to trade assets in, in the RWEV ecosystem, what we realized was that uh, people in the ecosystem, the, the, the types of data that, that is being tokenized in, in RWEV is, is very different than, you know, what, what we're seeing in, in other ecosystems like Ethereum and Solana. Um, and what I mean by that is because you can tokenize any piece of data with, with this concept of an atomic asset on our weave, um, people aren't just tokenizing, you know, pictures of, of, of monkeys in this ecosystem. People are, you know, tokenizing uh, random pieces of, of, of data. Like they could be tokenizing images, videos, uh, executable files, like they, the, any piece of data can now be tokenized. And we realized that uh, a central marketplace to go to to browse that data it isn't really the best way to interact with, with the permaweb because right now, the, if, if you're able to tokenize every aspect of the permaweb, the best way to interact with it is how you would interact with, with the internet, right? It's, it's closer, the, the experience would need to be more akin to a browser than, than a marketplace. And so Flex is really the, our approach to enabling anyone to have control over how their assets are are, are, are traded um, with without us being involved with you know and, and they would get full control over you know uh, the way that these these assets are traded how the the user experience looks for them being traded on on your own you know permaweb app um, the the experience is is meant to be more uh, enabling uh, it, it's Flex is, is composable in a sense that it can be applied to, uh, to any asset. And so you can build your own custom experiences on top of Flex, uh, which you, you know, wouldn't easily be able to do otherwise uh, and, and, and would be impossible to do in, in certain cases um, using you know, a, a central exchange, even if it's still decentralized like a, like a Uniswap. Um, and so Flex is, is, is our approach to that. And, and, you know, the goal is to make the web more composable uh, by building this, this framework that anyone can use, anyone can build on top of, uh, while giving more control to the application developers around how those items are, are interacted with and exchanged. It's a lot of fun to think about VirtualFlex and this notion, which you've just pointed to, where any transaction can be tokenized on Arweave and the permweb. And, you know, as you mentioned, it, this can be an entire app, right? Like you, you can tokenize an app, you can tokenize an image, you can tokenize a video. There's so many pathways that go beyond, I think, the kind of current status quo of what an NFT is and what it represents and so I think we're beginning to see some inklings of this. Do you have a particular vision in mind? I mean, you did share quite a bit right there. What do you want to see with VertoFlex? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's still very early on. And of course, it's, it's going to take some time to, uh, to bootstrap a, a, a mechanism like this, which is uh, a, a big part of the reason why, you know, we, we decided to, to put community labs together. Um, but, but I would say that, uh, 
right now, my, my vision for the RVV ecosystem in this, this application layer, specifically pertaining to, to, to Flex, uh, is, is a place where people can go and interact with data, maybe buy some, maybe sell some if they think that it has value. Um, and, and it plays to the tune of, of Sam's vision of like this, this web of value. Uh, and, and, and our theory is that the, the best way to interact with that web of value is, is the way you'd interact with a, a, a browser rather than the way you'd interact with a marketplace. And so I would say that if, if we're looking back on this um, two years from now, my, my goal is that we have these, these applications that people can go to. Um, and they that have VertoFlex integrated, people can can interact with these applications just as they would regularly interact with with websites. Um, and and Flex would be built in, sort of powering the the infrastructure under the hood, where you know where where people want to have order books inside of these these applications. So an absolute ton of opportunity and a lot of fresh ground that, I mean, this, you know, it's, it's this funny phrase oftentimes that's used, you know, groundbreaking. And, and I think that it's, it's fair to say that this is, this is an entirely different approach to what, you know, many call marketplaces. This is like embedded marketplaces within a transaction that the individual has just about total control over. And I'm just, yeah, it's really inspiring that we now have access, we being anyone listening to this podcast um, or anyone within the community, the RWEF community that is, we now have access to this ability to create these micro marketplaces and, and have all the knobs and buttons we need based upon our, our own interests. So it'll be fun to see what artists, you know, really dive into this, what uh, developers dive into this and 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 provide this this infrastructure into the web of value as you mentioned it, or as what Tom of Permapages calls it, like Datafy, kind of like financializing these components, these layers of the Arweep ecosystem. Are you focused on the more financial side, like these these types of protocols that can enable this web of value to flourish? Like, is that an emphasis for you? I think that right now with, with our work on, on protocols like, like Flex, um, it, it's, it's definitely a focus. But a, a big piece of Community Labs is also uh, realizing that there's a huge amount of untapped non-financial uh, potential inside of the RWEV ecosystem in a sense that, you know, there are all kinds of things that we're learning you can do with, with a permanent data layer that, you know, don't mean that blockchains just have to be for, for finance anymore. And so I think that with, with Community Labs, R-Connect, and, and, and Virto, what we're trying to do is, is build a, a, a big piece of the ecosystem that enables developers in Web2 to come in or existing Web3 developers to come in and build infrastructure that, that may, may have a financial element, may not have a financial element, uh, but help bring Arweave as an ecosystem to the next billion users that, yeah, or I should say the first billion users that, that can adopt crypto without necessarily needing to know that they're adopting crypto. Because Arweave gives us the tools that we need to build developer experiences and user experiences that are completely seamless, that, that aren't complicated for people to understand and don't have steep learning curves. So an absolutely huge and important vision that you and Community Labs represent. And of course, this 30 million in funding, which was just announced um, this week as of recording, is a big deal. 
What are you looking for from the listeners if they're possibly interested in joining community labs? Are you hiring? If so, what are some things that are top of mind? Yeah, we're so we're hiring across the board right now, uh, and we're we're excited and open to talking with anyone uh, that that's you know that uh, sees potential in 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 what we're working towards. Um, I would say that we are looking right now uh, to build founding teams around a few protocols that we're really excited about the opportunities of of building inside of this ecosystem. Um, and so, if you're a uh, a developer that is, you know, looking to get into blockchain or already into blockchain, but excited about SmartWeave and, and writing smart contracts or building out front ends in in this, you know, on, on the permaweb in this decentralized environment, or even if you're, you know, non-technical, interested in helping out with with marketing and design and content uh, or, or operations. Um, these are all types of things that, that we're going to need help with. And we, we already do need help with. And so if you are interested in, in talking to us, um, feel free to send us a, a email at team at community labs.com. And, and we'd love to chat. Clearly a ton of opportunity. And thank you so much for sharing about your experience thus far in the Arweave ecosystem and beyond and all of the learnings, which of course you're continuously learning, um, that you've you know accumulated over the last few years. Uh, it really is extraordinary. And I uh, just want to give a shout out to you and the Community Labs team for this fundraise and uh, all of the work to be done because you know you've outlined a lot of potential and a lot of work and a lot of invention that you're really laying the foundation. Now you have a foundation to, to, to build on. Um, now to wrap up, you know, I, I know you gave some, some kind of tips and, uh, and some lessons along the way for yourself as an individual. Um, is there anything that you'd like to leave with the listener if they're pondering maybe building something within the Arweave ecosystem or putting themselves out there on the content side or whatever it may be, anything you can share on that front? Yeah, I would say that the Arweave ecosystem is a very collaborative place. People are not, uh, you know, many people in this ecosystem truly are, are just excited about the opportunities here. Um, and, and I came into the ecosystem by, by just hacking around and, and, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick. Um, and so I would say if you're interested in, in getting involved, don't be afraid to, to try building things and see how the community reacts to it or try putting content out there to see what feedback you get. Um, I, I think all of that is, is, is great because uh, the community typically responds very positively to, to experimentation. Um, because it's a sign of, of, you know, of iteration. Um, yeah. Great. Well, uh, thank you again, Tate. This is Tate Berenbaum of communitylabs.com. And uh, in the show notes, I'll leave all the links associated with Community Labs so you can be in touch with the team and, of course, with Tate. So uh, that is a wrap. Uh, really appreciate you being on the Permweb Pioneers. Thanks so much, Only Arweave. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Permaweb Pioneers. 
podcast focused on growing awareness of Arweave and the permaweb. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Otherwise, share this episode with friends and family and whoever else you think may find it useful and interesting. Thank you for being a part of our community of pioneering long-term thinkers securing the present and future of data.